This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Let's go back in time to 1932 as Converse brings you historic footage of the legendary original Celtics with whom all great professional teams are compared. We have now taken over your radio. Richie Guerin is about to show you the most important step in getting past a man. It's the first one. And Oscar will inbound it. The men in green, the Milwaukee Bucks, that's Al Cinder against Bellamy. It has Jordan, Allen shakes three, gets two! Gilmore on oh, the stop! Oh, brother! Lead Toledo artist, you get 21! 4.28 to go in the first quarter for the Cow Palace. Here's Barry. Hello and welcome back to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason Mann and uh, we are sadly uh, going to talk about uh, the the legacy of Moses Malone who died over the weekend um, and we have uh, two guests today. Uh, first, uh, he is the NBA writer for CBSSports.com and the, the editor emeritus of Harvard Paroxysm, Matt Moore. Welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be on, man. And, about this though yeah yeah i'm glad that, glad that you're joining us and glad to be able to um to talk about some uh, moses Malone memories even uh, you know under a sad occasion of course and um also with us he is a uh been a frequent guest here at over and back we're always glad to have him uh, curtis harris of prohoopshistory.com curtis welcome back yeah thanks for having me back and also hardware proxism alone so i'll yes. just go through it out yeah exactly yes we're all we're all in the family here so um, so yeah, as we said, talking about Moses Malone, who, um, uh, played for 21 seasons in the ABA and the NBA from 1975, 1995, the, um, played for a lot of teams, but most notably played for the, uh, Rockets and the Sixers, uh, was the uh, first high school player to ever sign a, uh, a pro contract. It did so in the ABA. 
was a three-time NBA MVP, was the uh, also the 1983 Finals MVP, uh, famously for the faux-faux-faux uh, uh, 76ers that almost uh, swept through the uh, playoffs. And uh, was uh, uh, the first uh, player in um, all of the major American sports leagues to win back-to-back MVPs with different teams. Um, he was an eight-time all, eight-time all NBA player, a thirteen-time All Star. Uh, he is in the top seven all-time in games, minutes, rebounds, and points, and first in offensive rebounds by a mile. He wasn't necessarily the uh, biggest or most athletic big man. I mean, he was certainly was strong and big, but. Um, he was just a relentless force and was really a dominant player from the mid-70s into the mid-to-late 80s, uh, kind of knocking Kareem off the perch as the dominant big man uh, in the league. Um, and, you know, for me, there are, there are players that you can kind of sum up with one highlight, but with Moses, it's just sort of like a accumulation of watching him out-fox and out-muscle opponents to, you know, get the rebound or make a putback in the crowd or to make a great play. Um so, Matt, we'll, we'll start with you. What stands out to you about Moses Malone? You know, he won he won the NBA Championship Finals MVP in his last MVP award when I was one years old. So I missed out on him. And for me, he was a player that, as I got more and more into basketball, um, when I discovered going back through, like he was a player that was mentioned but never really talked about as one of the greats. And... Uh, maybe Moses stands out to me as a great example of how advanced stats can actually sometimes help tell stories. And, and so often those stats are talked about as in they don't, t- they don't reveal how great those former players were. Well, those advanced stats were part of what turned me on to, to Moses and to realize just how phenomenal he was because his rebound percentage numbers were so astronomical. And then I started to dig back into the backstory of him, and the more I read about him, I just could not believe this figure, this guy who – didn't talk to reporters, but wasn't disrespectful. He just didn't talk, mostly because he didn't feel comfortable uh, talking publicly. It started when he was young, and, and he had problems with his teeth and didn't feel like he didn't like talking to people publicly. And yet he was this unbelievable monster. I mean, we're talking about a three-time MVP who gets overlooked completely historically uh, to the point where the Sixers still have not retired his jersey, which was a horrendous mistake, especially now considering that he passed away. Uh, and, and the more that I found out about him, I realized that, that he stands out as a figure um, that really changed the game in a lot of ways. From, from being one of the early guys to, to make the leap from high school, going to the ABA, to being an ABA just phenom, to a guy that, that really took the league by storm and just dominated night in and night out. In the league's most popular era, the 1980s, he absolutely just crushed everyone, including knocking off the Lakers in 83 – and yet almost no one talks about him. And to me, he's the most – I think definitively, and, and I know the word underrated gets overused too often, but in this case I do think it's accurate. He's the most underrated NBA star of all time. What do you think, Curtis? Uh, I think Matt hit on a lot of good points there. Um, I guess also for myself with Moses, um, I'm even – like I'm younger than Matt is, so like um, – I uh, see. Like when he won his MVP award, I was minus four years old. So, uh, <laughs> so um, I was positive so, uh, four years old. So I I was alive, but I do not remember it. So, but yeah, uh, my first memories of Moses were just um, you know we I grew up near Houston. Uh, so like my dad uh, is from Houston, and he actually worked at McGregor Park, which is where Hakeem Olajuwon and Moses Malone had those famous like uh, I guess 
uh, pickup games in the early 80s. And my dad worked at the park when that was going on. So he got to see some of that stuff firsthand. And so uh, when I was young and growing up, like my dad would just tell me about like having seen them uh, play those games. So even though I didn't see a lot of Moses uh, when I was growing up, like really, really young, my dad would talk about them. And uh, then we had like basketball cards in the house and I would see like Moses Malone's basketball cards. So I like my dad talked about them. So then he like he taught Akeem and Akeem was my favorite player. So when I saw the Moses Malone cards, I kept them. I had them. I would read up on the stats and the rebounds he had. Uh, so although I didn't see any footage of him play until probably I was like 10, 11, 12 years old when I watched like ESPN Classic and stuff. Um, I always had a sense that this was like some mythical figure that was just out there kicking ass on the basketball court all the time. Uh, but now that I'm much older, able to you know appreciate the stats as Matt was talking about, uh, I really, really see that this guy was just uh, truly amazing and does get overlooked. Um, like during the 1980s, like you know 1980 through 1989, uh, he was the number one rebounder and the number two scorer in the entire NBA. And we don't think of him as like you know a dominant 80s star, even though he's the number one rebounder and number two scorer for that decade. So. Uh, does need a, I guess, a reappraisal uh, for his his value on the all-time time standings, and hopefully he gets that. Unfortunately, it's going to be too late because he's passed away now. But hopefully, he gets it. Uh, something positive that might happen out of it. Yeah, and I think a lot of that, um, the maybe the lack of recognition that he's had. I mean, some of it definitely is that he didn't necessarily have like the the flashiest personality ever. Um, you know, some of the stuff that you guys are talking about. Um, and also, you know, he played for so many teams. I mean, he, he started, he, he played for the Utah stars, the spirits of St. Louis, um, and played two games with the Buffalo Braves. Then had uh, four or five seasons with in Houston and four seasons in Philly, then played a couple years in Washington, three in Atlanta, just over a season in Milwaukee before he had a, a year back in Philadelphia and then a handful of games with the Spurs. So he's, he played with nine different teams, and um, he, he doesn't quite belong to anyone. And I, I think that's really like um, kind of a hard thing. That, I think that really does have a, an effect on somebody's legacy, and he's probably the best player to really have that, that problem. Yeah, absolutely. I would say... The way he bounced around, uh, sometimes unfairly, like, um, you know, the ABA stuff, that was just a factor of the ABA was starting to go under when he joined the league. Um, and the Rockets, when he, be, uh, like, 82, he became a free agent. The Rockets didn't have the money to pay him, so they, you know, basically signed and traded him to Philly. And Philly was really stupid. They gave up on him. Uh, he turned 30 years old, and they're like, well, he's probably about to go downhill, so let's ship him off to the Bullets. And he wound up making the all-star team, I think, like three or four more times after that. And the Bullets, they got, or the Sixers got back a couple of guys that were good, like Jeff Rulin, but he got hurt. And so, like, they just really lost out on that. So they gave up on him too soon. But uh, he just kept bouncing around after that. It was inexplicable, really, how he just couldn't stick with the team for more than five years. Yeah. At age 34, right? So at age 34 with Atlanta, he led the league in offensive rebounds. I could not that I saw that today and it just blew my mind. I I just cannot believe you know Larry Brown, um, Bob Ryan told this story in Loose Balls by Terry Pluto. He said uh, Bob Ryan said that that Larry Brown came up to him and said that's the greatest offensive rebounder of all time, and this is when he was a kid. This is when he was nineteen years old, and Bob Ryan was like, "Come on, get out of here. He's better than Silas," and he's like. Come back to me in three years and tell me who you think is the best offensive rebounder of all time. And, I mean, Moses just dominant. He, and it's weird because 
it's in an area in which sometimes I give players flack. So uh, one of the reasons I talk about J.J. Hickson kind of being overrated in some aspects is I'm always like, yeah, his rebound numbers are good, but do you realize how many of those are him getting his own misses? Like he's just missing, clanking <laughs> bad shots off and then snatching the rebound. Well, that was like what Moses did. Like Moses just absolutely knew every single time where the ball was going to go when he released it. And sometimes, like he actually talked about this, he would miss shots because he would know that he could grab it and have a better shot on the offensive rebound. That's how confident he was in being able to grab it. That's insane. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, he he, he made that an artist, an artistry, really. Um, like I was watching this red on round ball earlier today. Uh, since he passed away, I was searching on YouTube for videos, and I found this red on round ball about offensive rebounding, and it just like clicked in my head, like how much his off uh, his his offensive game was efficient, even though like he's you know cleaning up on the glass and sometimes missing shots on purpose, but. Like, yeah, he was setting a pick for somebody, and he would just, you know, crash the boards after he set the pick. And I was thinking, like, how that frees up an off, another offensive player. Uh, I've always, like, I was thinking, like, Kobe Bryant would be, like, the perfect teammate for Moses because Moses would set a screen for him. Kobe can just jack up the jumper. If it goes in, great. If it misses, Moses got the rebound. He's going to put it back in. And I don't know how that shows up in, like, offensive efficiency, but it's a, it's a different kind of offensive efficiency. I don't think we've really had time to really consider Um just what his offensive rebounding opened up on the floor for his teammates and, and for himself. And also, like, you know, we talk about in the modern game, like, oh, yeah, we've got to cut down on minutes. We've got to cut down on minutes. And I back the science, absolutely, that says that we've got to cut back on minutes. I'm not blaming players. But just to, again, point out how astounding Malone was. So in, in 82, he played 42 minutes a night for 81 games. And he averaged 36.6 points and 17.3 rebounds per 100 possessions, shooting over 50% from the field. I mean, his, his production was so spectacular. And that like, really stands out when you look back at it historically, especially like we've got per 100 stats now, so we're able to evaluate the stuff in kind of a better context and to look at it and say like, these minutes were insane. But beyond all the numbers – you know, Charles Barkley called him dad. Like, Barkley had a really moving statement today. And I'm sure that he's going to, you know, he'll, he'll probably make an appearance on TNT when the season starts and want to talk about Moses. And, like, he, he you know, he, Curtis mentioned that he mentored Hakeem. I mean, Malone fundamentally drove the course of the league in terms of big men. And that had ramifications for another decade and a half. Um, and it, it, it just shows you how impactful Moses was despite being a guy that was not like a super he wasn't like a vocal superstar he wasn't like making big declarations like the fo 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 thing I-, I thought was funny because I actually I found this in a classical article he actually he said I wasn't actually predicting that I was just trying to say that that's what we need to do if we want to be a great team we've got to, <laughs> like we really need to sweep and that's like the most Moses thing ever is is he was so understated in every single aspect. Um, I've, I mentioned this to a few people today. I actually tried to get Moses for a book. Um, I got so obsessed with him in 2010 that I started, I did like a massive amount of research because I wanted to be prepared. And I reached out to the family through the NBA uh, PR. And then NBA PR said, sorry, they're not interested. Maybe, maybe another time. And I was planning on trying to get to him in person because that was during the Hunter regime. And I have questions about whether or not that staff actually passed along the <laughs> message. Um, so I, I'd always been like, you know, if I ever see Moses, I'm going to ask him, like, 
you know, and I thought about it a bunch of times. Like maybe I should just go ahead and like track it because I knew I could get his number. I was like, maybe I should just track it down and call him. And I never got around to it. And now I'm just like killing. Like today, I've just been crushing myself because I always felt like Moses' story was one that needed to be told, and probably by somebody better than me. Like you know, probably somebody like Jonathan Abrams or or somebody else. But I just always was crushed because he wasn't just this fun this phenomenal player in terms of his production and stats he wasn't just this really intriguing guy that drank red soda and like ate terribly all the time he wasn't just this guy that like did not talk to the media and was completely the anti-star he was also a phenomenal teammate and a guy that had an impact on the league that i don't think people realize like not only did he shape that sixers championship team but he mentored charles barkley in a way that really took barkley to the level that made him an mvp and changed the western conference race for half a decade I mean, the effects just keep going on and on. And again, I feel like nobody really realizes that. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I don't think I've, go I, ahead. Sorry, I, I don't think I've heard anybody say one bad word about Moses. Not like one. there's like, I, like, I wish he talked to the media more, but that's not really a bad thing. It's just, I never heard a teammate say like, oh, Moses was awful in practice or Moses didn't work hard enough or Moses was a jerk. Uh, it's like people just had nothing but good things to say about Moses. Yeah. And like Moses, you know, it's, it's like Moses played in the ABA in the seventies and played in the early eighties, and that's a time period in which obviously there was a lot of stuff going on in the league. Like there was a lot of stuff, but then you also like realize, I mean, he played until nineteen ninety five. Like he played until nineteen ninety five, and he was still productive, really up until ninety two. Um, so I. I, you know, it's just remarkable what he was able to do for not being a guy that was crazy athletic, for not being a guy that, well, I mean, he was in his early days, but like, you know, eventually, you know, as he bulked up, but he wasn't a guy that, you know, he wasn't like, he wasn't bird, he wasn't magic, he wasn't a shooter, he was a big man. He, he took that pounding every single night, and yet he played, what, how many seasons? Like 21. Yeah, 21. 21 seasons. Are you kidding me? I, like, another number, and I, I hate to go stat heavy, but, I just couldn't believe this today. I was like, I wonder how many points, rebounds, and blocks he has compared to a lot of the guys all the time. And I was like, well, he's probably up there, but I would bet that Malone's higher than him, that Carl Malone's higher than him, Kareem's obviously higher than him, probably Shaq, I would guess, even with Shaq's notable lack of conditioning, like probably just because of the raw production. Nope, the list of points, rebounds, and blocks, the only guys that have the number, the only guy that has the amount of blocks, rebounds, and and uh, points as Moses is Kareem. That's it. That's the list. And Kareem played a hell of a lot more games and minutes. Yeah, I, I, it, it's remarkable. Um, yeah, I mean, just how long he lasted. How um, you know how much he um, you know was able to you know carry some teams. I mean, Philly was stacked, but um, you know those Houston teams didn't necessarily have. I mean, they they had some okay guys, but they didn't have. You know, they weren't necessarily a well-rounded team, yet they, you know, he was able to kind of push them um, into the finals in 81 and to, you know, give the um, the Celtics a, you know, a pretty tough, um, you know, six-game series um, there. You know, he averaged uh, 22 and 16 in that series in 45 minutes a game. You know, I mean, he was able to... Um, he really carried teams on his back and just, you know, kind of popped out of not quite nowhere, but certainly... Um, 
you know, the, the way that he um, he could have been on the 77 Trailblazers team, but they, um, you know, basically decided he made too much money and um, and, and traded him immediately without really you know, having a sense of what kind of player he was. And then Buffalo couldn't get couldn't wait to get rid of him either. And, um, you know, he goes from that to, you know, being one of the dominant players in the league is just, you know, a, a pretty incredible path. I, I, I found it notable today that there's a retrospective from a couple of years back on his career for the NBA at 50. Uh, and one of the key guys that really spoke glow- glowingly of him was Luke Walton. And I thought that was like, I mean, the range of people that spoke highly of Malone, I thought was striking. I mean, Dr. J, Charles, Luke Walton, Hakeem. I mean, there was like the, the range of people that spoke highly of Moses. And, and like Curtis said, like no one ever had a bad thing to say about him. Yeah, you know, I mean, he was. Go ahead. He 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 became MVP of the whole NBA by the time he was twenty three years old. Yeah, like um, and like Jason was saying, like he could have been part of the Trailblazers team, but yeah, they decided he made too much money to be a backup power forward and center. Uh, but the Rockets team that he landed on too, that team, I think the first year he was there, they won like forty seven or forty eight games, uh, and they lost to the Sixers in the Eastern Conference. I think it was semifinals. Uh, in six games, so they gave him a really hard series. But the next year, this is the thing about Moses, like he's always lurking in the background. The next year, he got the punch between Kermit and Rudy T. And that really, that's what really destroyed like that Rockets team that just won like 48 games, looked like they could have had like a decent chance of becoming a championship squad. They had Moses, Rudy T, Calvin Murphy, John Lucas, uh, Mike Newland, who's a really good uh, swing man. But when Rudy T got hurt, the Rockets were like, well, crap, we got to make like a panic trade. So they traded for Rick Barry and gave up John Lucas. And that trade really ruined the Rockets for the next couple of years because John Lucas was a distributor. He kept the team like offense flowing and then Moses was killing them inside. Uh, but Rick Barry, like not this wasn't Rick Barry's fault. He was just old by this point. Uh, but that kind of like just disrupted the flow and trajectory of that team. So that made the push that he made in 1981 even more amazing because the team was pretty much gutted by then. But he took him a 40-win team and took him to the NBA Finals and pushed the Celtics to six games and absolutely killed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in that playoff series the Rockets have the Lakers uh, earlier in the playoffs. Crushed him. Uh, yeah, he just murdered Kareem. And then they met in the Finals in 83, the Sixers and Lakers. He murdered Kareem again. Uh, like, Jabbar just wanted nothing to do with Moses. Moses was just so relentless and just... It's like a hound dog. Like, and Kareem just couldn't get away. Moses was just always at him, always just moving him out the way to get these rebounds and just just wearing them down. So uh, it's it's just amazing that he could have had probably two or three titles, I think, if uh, that punch hadn't happened. Uh, but he still got his one title and still ate up Kareem otherwise. Uh, just a really amazing player. Yeah. And then it's also there, like, there is an impact here that kind of goes that I don't think people realize, which is. Um, you know, not only did he go, did he go pro, and I read, I read like every SI article under the sun about him today. M- many of them I'd already read, but uh, there's a section I said this to, to Zero and Over Edge of Sports because I thought it was so remarkable. Um, you know, he, he his mom was living in, in a quote shanty without a toilet and a big hole in the wall. This is from Frank DeFord in '79, and Spencer Haywood actually said this about Moses. He said, look, the colleges are just there to use you. If you're black and haven't had a nice, rich mommy and daddy, and now with the backy decision, 
you haven't even you don't even have the government on your side, then you have no choice. You take advantage of what you have as soon as you can. And it says Malone himself never had any doubts. I'd seen the pros on TV and I figured I was quicker. People talked about experience, but I never thought experience meant that much under the rack. So I told my mama, let me decide. If I'm going to lose, let me lose myself. So my mama said, all right. Like Mo- Malone today, and, and you, t- you talked about the contract stuff. He bounced around a lot because Moses was like, no, I'm going to get paid. I'm going to get what I'm worth. I'm not going to just come back for you. It's the same stuff we're talking about today. It's the same stuff about how stars should not have to take pay cuts. And Malone bounced in large part because he was like, no, I'm going to get paid. And today he would be simultaneously reviled by fans for leaping and always taking the money. And yeah, I think like the, the internet circles would also hold him up as a hero as somebody that just basically gave the middle finger to the owners and was like, how are you not going to pay me? You know, how on earth are you going to say that I'm too expensive when I'm a three-time MVP? Uh, you know, that same uh, Frank Defer uh, piece, um, there's a great quote from um, his high school assistant coach and who had you know, become his mentor and, um, you know, basically saying that, um, you know, he was really afraid about him going to the pros. He thought that maybe, you know, if he didn't make it, he could be destroyed and then, you know, was worried so much because of, you know, the – his team folded, and then the league folded, and then he was traded and bounced around. And he says, um, "You know, no, sir. You see, Moses had a lot more faith in himself than we did, which I thought was just like a perfect illustration of, you know, a, kind of a guy who was, um, you know, just was. Everyone was kind of worried about, but he had the confidence in himself, and um, and was just able to be, you know, just." Uh, through a force of will, just kind of the similar way that he played, um, was able to, you know, uh, have a great career. Um, I was wondering um, if there were any um, any YouTube uh, things that you know popped in, either something that you had seen before or something that you know was a, for a kind of a first time. That any, anything that stood out to you, you know, I'm sure all of us were looking through, uh, reading stuff and looking through video stuff today. My big takeaway was that <laughs> that that man knew how to use his ass. He just <laughs> he was so good at coming under the basket and bumping you out the way. It was remarkable watching it. And Charles has talked about this, about how that was a huge thing for him, to understand how to use your hips and how to use your butt to be able to control the other guy. And uh, it's funny because it's actually something that Dwight really struggles with because he's he's so long and tall and his legs are so long and he's skinny comparatively based on his frame size, that he has a, a real problem with boxing guys out using his ass. And like Moses just absolutely, I mean, he threw it around like a sledgehammer and he killed guys with it. And you watch that over and over again, that he would just be under the basket and wait and then boom, he's right up into you and he's forced completely out. But at the same time, like that's what everyone I think remembers about him. But I, I'm also watching, like he had such incredible touch. I mean, turnaround fadeaways, like, Transition. I saw a lot of plays of him when he was younger too. Like he was getting up the floor. You know, he he was able to snag the rebound, get up the floor, and then make the pass to the other guy. Then get it back for the little addition. I mean, it was just he had a real touch for the game. That and I I don't go this route very often because um, I, I don't subscribe to a lot of the belief that the players in the other eras were better. I don't subscribe to the belief that the players are – the talent level isn't great now. Like, I look around, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, this league is stacked with absolutely incredible players. But 
I will say they do not make big men like Moses anymore. I mean, the, the, and maybe we've got that new, a new era coming with DeMarcus Cousins and Carl Anthony Towns and a bunch of these guys, but uh, Moses's combination of what he could do with strength, size, and touch was really astounding. And again, I, I was watching a lot of his moves today, his little turnaround, like, touch hook shot, and I was like, man, Hakeem took that damn thing. Like, I mean, Hakeem copied that down pat. Yeah. You know, the funny thing for Moses is that um, his hands were were small for his size. Like, he um, – his that, that was kind of the only thing that – I think it's mentioned in that deferred article. But, um, like, his dad was, like, 5'6 or something, and his mom was 5'4. They were both relatively short, and somehow, you know, he ended up being so tall. But, like – um, but to be able to have that touch and to have that rebounding, you know, incredible rebounding ability without having big hands or, you know, your, your even regular sized hands for his size is, is additionally remarkable. Well, what I, what I took away watching these videos of Moses was how, when he would come up the court, like a non-fast break situation, uh, how he come up the court, he had this kind of gate to him. Uh, kind of like shoulders a little slump, and he would just kind of just plot, plot and plop down the court. But then when a shot goes up, the guy just like just all of a sudden turns into the fastest player on the court. Uh, like he, the quickness he had, like he still wasn't, I guess, fast, but the quickness he had in getting to the spot that he wanted and, and using the ass to get people out the way um, <laughs> is really amazing me watching him. Um, and the hands were not that big, but they were like just lightning quick, uh, where he would just like tap the ball up on the glass and then just – uh, tap it up again. He he was quick to jump off the ground too. Uh, couldn't jump very high, but he would jump up, tap it real quick, then he would land and go right back up and tap it again. Uh, and this that's part of like the relentlessness of him. Uh, it wasn't just like this one big burst of uh, of an act. It was like these series of small little just uh, like chip away plays, I guess you can call them, where he's just slowly wearing you down on the glass. Uh, like I was watching these highlight videos, and there was just so many plays where he would take three, four attempts at the at the offensive glass, and the other team is just, like, getting knocked out the way. Like, three or four players just getting bounced around by Moses as he's, like, slowly getting closer to the basket with each shot he's missed, each tip he's made. Um, and that's just, I think, just symbolizes what he was. Like, it was just this relentless, inexorable force that would just move people out the way and slowly just wear them down. Um, and going back to what Matt said earlier, if people were complaining today about how he was – or, you know, some people might complain that he was, like, trying to get his money. Other people would hail him as a hero for, like, sticking it to the owners. But the guy did bust his ass, and he deserved every penny he got. He did not take a playoff. He was always out there. And the quote that will stick with me with Moses was when he said, they hit me, and I get stronger. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I want to get hit. I want to get touched. I want to get like guys getting on me because then that just makes me stronger. That gets me more aggressive. That gets me more motivated to go out there and just knock them right back and get the rebound. Yeah. Uh, a few uh, videos that stood out to me is uh, from the 81 finals. There's one rebound. I think it's in game three where Moses basically just reaches over his head, like behind him and just grabs the ball from Parrish and then goes back up for like a putback, which is just like a just awesome. Um, just, I mean, he, he, uh, there were several times where he embarrassed uh, Parrish and Mikhail in that series. Mikhail, of course, is a rookie um, at that point. So, um, and then, yeah, the, the way that he dominated Kareem in the 83 finals, I mean, just, um, th- there's one where he just kind of gets like three offensive rebounds right over Kareem and Kareem just can't keep up with them. And then you know, gets the putbacks at will and they, you know, obviously swept that series. Um, and, um, 
and Moses went for 20, uh, 26 and 18 in that finals compared to 23 and 7.5 for Kareem, basically out-rebounding him something like 70 to 30. And there's a story that apparently Kareem went to, uh, you know, Pete Newell, the coach, for like a rebounding basics camp uh, afterward to kind of to, um, you know, because uh, it was just it was something that just uh, that so, um, you know, um, was demoralizing for him. And, and I know that big man camp was is one of the best stories in NBA history. And but even then, like Kareem was so far beyond that. For Kareem to lower himself to going back to that camp, I mean that is that's unbelievable. Yeah, and, and then Kareem did add like bulk later on, and was you talked about I, I think in his second book, yeah, it would have been his second book where he was like he felt like adding like fifteen pounds was actually able to kind of make him feel like he could at least you know move Moses around a little bit. Um, you know, it's interesting that it kind of led to that change um, in his career, which you know um, helped him, and obviously the Lakers accomplished a lot, and he still. Had some great seasons but he definitely was kind of a change from um you know when he was a little bit more lithe and lean um earlier in his career uh one other one uh well two other ones actually um one is there's a great there's highlights from a 1984 bull sixers games where moses he, he goes for 39 19 and he rejects jordan uh, multiple times during the game and just totally destroys the bulls big men and um and then i had I, he beat up Dave Corzine. This is amazing. Yeah, I know. He's <laughs> surprised about that one. And then there's the, which I, 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 I think I'd seen it, but it was a long time ago. The Nike ad with Moses, basically just like him in a gym, like working, you know, grabbing all the, you know, working on grabbing the offensive rebounds. And there's like a vo- voiceover and it's like a, a really, um, uh, you know, a neat look at like Nike's creativity. You know, this would have been, of course, before Jordan blew up. I mean, it would might've been, they might've had Jordan by then, but it was still like a, a time kind of early in the evolution of Nike becoming, you know, what it, what it would be. And then my favorite one maybe is the, um, the three quarters of the length court shot that he had, uh, with the Spurs at the very end of his career, a uh, buzzer beater. Uh, that, that, that's a fun one too, even though it doesn't necessarily reflect, uh, anything Moses like, it's still just, uh, you know, those are always fun. You know, I found this quote today in one of the old pieces, and I just I could not believe it. I'm pretty sure Curtis retweeted it today. Um, this, to me, just sums him up because he was simultaneously quiet to the point of being almost silent, and yet he was absurdly confident without being arrogant. Like there wasn't really much arrogance to his game. He wasn't going to trash talk you. He was just he knew how good he was. It wasn't, and it wasn't, you know, really even confidence. It was just back to him. It was just, I know how good I am because I'm that good. I, I play. That's how I know. Um, it's from his decision to go to the ABA and, and forgo college. And it's from SI. And it says, turn down the University of Maryland. Malone went with the Utah Stars. Quote, I knew what Peoples was saying, Malone says. And so I told the Stars, quote, it don't make no difference how old I am because I still think I can bust y'all. You just watch my action. I mean, like, I fell out of my chair. I read that, and I fell out of my chair. My child's looking at me like, what's wrong, Daddy? And I'm like, Moses Malone was awesome! I absolutely love that quote. I had never seen it before. It's it just amazing. The I'm Moses not Malone, a shirt that says, Malone. you just watch my action. Moses Malone. There you go. Yeah. And, like, um, I'm not trying to compare myself um, – well, I guess I am going to, but I don't mean this in a bad way. But like, when I play basketball, I've always been a 
a good offensive rebounder. That has always been my best skill as a basketball player. So um, watching Moses play, uh, when I got old enough, like the and YouTube finally existed, uh, like I would go back and watch some of this stuff, and I, I take inspiration from Moses. Like and to hear him talk about like just watch my action. I was just like, oh yes. Next time I go play basketball, I got like inspiration now when I'm going to pick up court. I'm be like, I'm not going to say it out loud. That might cause a fight at the parks I play at. But <laughs> I'm just to myself. These guys out here, they're going to have to watch my actions. So I'm just going to go out there and just try to use my ass as best I can, knock some people out the way. Although I'm like really skinny, but in Moses' honor, I'm, I'm going to do my best, knock them out the way, get them to watch my action. There's a torch, Curtis. Carry it. Yeah, I am. I'm going to do it for them. Um, and I like, um, kind of final thing for me, I, I like that, um, kind of talking about like kind of being humble and like, um, just sort of being a guy who like accepted his role or, or was willing to sort of sacrifice is, um, going into the 83 when, you know, when he signed with the, uh, Sixers, um, uh, from that uh, classical piece about the 30th anniversary of that team, um, Earl Kirton, the quote was, uh, Moses was a perfect fit. He came with open arms and said, this is Doc's team. He made it clear he was the final piece that he was there to help Doc win a championship. And there's a, a pretty good book on um, the Daily News' coverage of the Sixers during the 83 season. It's on um, it's on Amazon for pretty cheap. And uh, just basically articles kind of documenting the time. And it's a, it, that's definitely like a theme that Moses has of the time like yeah i'm here to help doc win a championship like i respect doc doc this is doc's team i'm just here to help out which is you know a cool attitude for a guy who you know was going to win his third mvp uh that year i mean that's um just uh says something about like hey you know i'm willing to it, it doesn't need to be about my ego it's it just needs to be like hey i want to win a championship just like everybody else does and here's what i'm willing to do and that, that's that's a, a a cool thing to see oh well Something just popped up in my head. I just got, this would take this would be really really quick, but I just realized, like looking at Moses' uh, teams played for list, these are people that Moses Malone played with in his career: Maurice Lucas, Marvin Barnes, Calvin Murphy, Rick Barry, Rudy Tomjanovich, Julius Irving, Andrew Tony, uh, Charles Barkley, Dominique Wilkins, uh, Jeff Malone, Bernard King, David Robinson. Like, this is a ridiculous stretch. Like, going from, like, Marvin Barnes in the mid-'70s to David Robinson in the mid-'90s. Like, these are his teammates. Um, and then, like, he taught Akeem and Charles, as man mentioned earlier. Uh, so, like, this guy just touched on and saw so many people and all those teammates just releasing statements today all just absolutely saying nothing things about him. So, I think to play for two decades with that many teams and that many people have everybody still say great things about you, I think that says a lot uh, for Moses. He also played Dennis Rodman on the um, Spurs, which I'd forgotten about. So I'm sure that was his favorite teammate. This, that's true. He did also play with Dennis Rodman. So, uh, Matt, we'll give you the last word. An unbelievable player, an incredible teammate, a mystery and enigma to the media, which I think the fact that he wasn't acerbic, he wasn't against it he wasn't a political move it just he just didn't like to talk to the media he talked about that in his hall of fame speech um he was a guy that just wanted to go to work and win games and if you love basketball as much as the nba is a personality sport i don't know how you can love the game and not love moses malone 
Well said. Well, uh, thanks, guys, so much for uh, for sharing some uh, Moses Malone thoughts. Really uh, appreciate it. Everyone, of course, can uh, check us out at uh, hardwoodproxism.com, and we're on um, Facebook and Twitter at Over and Back uh, NBA. And appreciate it if you'd uh, follow us and, uh, and 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 check out what we're doing. We uh, definitely appreciate it. So, uh, until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.